Would you give Dave a hand, a warm hand? He's our part of our church family, and we thank God for him. And uh, one thing I do appreciate, appreciate about Dave is Dave will go anywhere God calls him to go. If there's a door that will open, he will go. He doesn't ask, how much money can you give me for coming? Can you meet my budget? He just goes where God opens the door. And for that, we are delighted to share in his monthly support and as well as this offering. God bless you. God bless you, Dave. Uh, by the way, there's an informal dismissal at noon. Service goes beyond that, the altar service. You're welcome to stay and participate in that. But if you have children to pick up, you need to pick them up at noon. Amen? Otherwise, we're going to sell them to a tribe of gypsies passing through. So, okay, not really. Amen. Can everybody hear me okay? Amen. Thank you guys so much for allowing me to be here. It's truly a, a pleasure to be back here. This is, this is our home church, Faith and I. Um, we love this church dearly. Uh, we, we love Pastor Tim. We love Pastor Donna. We love Pastor Mike and Christy and all the people that help lead here. Um, we truly do. This is, this is a special place for me. It was two weeks ago I got to come back here and I was having a powerful time with the Lord because I can tell you that if you're expectant and you welcome the Holy Spirit, he'll come. You could be in the middle, like we've been through and been in the middle of some wild things. I've been to Africa a couple times, literally witch doctors standing right to the side of you trying to kill you with curses and you could sit in the presence and sit in the glory of the Lord. So um, we are sitting here, I think this mic may be going out, I'm not sure, but we are sitting here and I went up for altar time and I came up here and um, just asked for my brother over there to uh, pray for me and the presence of the Lord was washing over me very powerfully and then the Lord reminded me that it was right over there to where he gave me that next step in my calling, and that was to go to uh, schooling with District uh, DSOM, District School of Ministry, to get uh, licensed as an Assembly of God pastor. But it was here, in this place, um, to where I've grown in, in the gifts of the Spirit. I've grown and felt welcome and encouraged as I made my mistakes along the way and still make them, you know, because that's what's going to happen. That's everybody makes mistakes. It, it, it's a guarantee. Um, but the, the love and the forgiveness and the, and the encouragement, um, you know, especially by Pastor Tim and Donna, you know, that's, that's a rare, it's a rare thing to have somebody speak into your life. And when you're doubting yourself, you know, you're not sure, am I really called? And you have someone say, yes, I see it. Yeah. And they speak into your life and they affirm that calling. Um, you know, it's a special thing and I, and I honor you, Pastor, and I thank you for the, the time that you've spent, the, the, the countless conversations, the, the encouragement when I needed encouragement. And, uh, and I love you dearly and I'm, and I'm, I'm honored to be able to speak here. When he said that we, we go where we are led, that's literally what we do. It, it can drive some people around us, including my family, I, you know, crazy. Like, what are you doing? 
Because the logical thing is, well, you've got your license. Why don't you go and be a pastor? You know, go get a church. Start something that's stable. You know, and that's not what I'm called to for this season. For this season, the Lord has us traveling around the country. And we go where we're led. Last week, I was called to a little Bible fellowship in Krivitz with maybe 30 people. If I'm making decisions based upon finances or making decisions based upon, oh, am I going to get the right number of supporters there? I don't care about any of that stuff anymore. It's wonderful to have the support of the people here. And there are many people in this place that support us monthly. But I know who provides the money now. Like that has changed. That's shifted for me. I used to say God provides, but what I really meant is God provides through you. And then I would look to you like, why aren't you providing? And God broke that off for me. Because I'm called. So we go where he sends us. And I'm excited about what God's going to do in this place. So real quickly, if you can bring up those slides. <clears throat> the reason why Catherine's waiting up here, I'm going to do a quick introduction on our family couple of little things about our ministry then I want to pray real quick and we'll get into the message so our family up here we've got um, I have six kids I have four or six more in heaven but I have six kids here uh, ranging from 24 19 9 6 5 and 3 I think I got all of them so we're very blessed four of us four of the little kids and, and I we travel around in that, in, that, in that camper. That's literally our lives. So we've been in Florida for about a year, year and a half. We just started traveling in May. We spent a, a considerable season, probably about a year, working with Christ for All Nations. I went through their mass crusade evangelism school. I got to go to Africa two times. I got to see things that, that uh, many people would love to see. I've seen... Uh, a flagship crusade with 350,000 people in attendance at one time, all singing hallelujah. I literally just fell to my knees. Just said, oh my goodness, what it's going to be like when we're in heaven? Yeah. Hearing 300,000 people saying hallelujah. But Jesus has brought our family. Now we work with Christ for All Nations still. We just did an event with an evangelist. Um, when Manchester, Tennessee, we go where we're sent. It, it, it sounds flighty to some people that want a plan, but he is the plan. He is the plan. We go where he sends us. To the best of my ability, even on a daily basis, I follow him. There was one morning when we were camping and my wife was with us. We were supposed to go and um, have some breakfast. We leave our house at like 830 the Holy Spirit leads me over to this family, and they've got this child who's had a cross-eyed since he was a little kid. We lay hands on him, and the Lord heals him. And then, but listen, but then right from there, a man is running by me, and I hear the Holy Spirit say, go. So I leave these people. Oh, and his parents gave their life to the Lord. All three of them gave their life to the Lord. I leave these people because I hear the Holy Spirit say go and I run after this man wondering, okay, I don't ask, I don't, I don't need an explanation from God. You know, he tells 
the mountains when to stop. He tells the seas when to stop. And yet we think like, nope, I'm not, I'm not listening to you, but I don't need that. So I ran after this man, and there's a lady who's on the ground. Their golf cart had flipped over. She is sitting in battery acid. Sitting in battery acid. And I just start praying for her. And then I go over to her, and they're, they're kind of freaked out because they're just not into what I'm coming up with. And I said, can I pray for her right now? I said, she's sitting in battery acid. So I just said, I command right now this battery acid and all these effects to be gone in Jesus' name. And then I said, there's someone over here who has a hurt back. And then a man came over with a hurt back. And I prayed for him. He just got diagnosed with scoliosis or something. And the Lord healed him. And then we ran over to another place. And then we got into inside of the place. And we're finally getting ready to order the food. And I see the man. It's probably around 11.30. Because like the Lord ministered to like three or four of these people. Healed several of them. Encouraged them. And then we get over to the thing. I go inside of the where the one lady is. I share the gospel with her. She gives her life to the Lord. Another lady gets healed while we're standing in, in, the, in the line. This is our life. And we thank you when you stand behind us. And we thank Pastor Tim for standing behind us and, and supporting us. But this is what we see every single day. And Faith just sat there and was like, this is kind of crazy. And I was like, this is life. This is what life is like when you jump in the river and you take your hands off the wheel. It is one of the most exhilarating lives in the entire world. But that's what we do. We travel around the country in a fifth wheel camper. We used to have a house. I worked at uh, Tyco, Sandy and Ken. I used to work with them years ago. I worked in the warehouse for many years. I had a very good job. Was moving up in the company. But the Lord called me and now we follow him obediently and we see amazing things and today here we're going to see amazing things and, it, and it's not based upon me it's based upon who lives inside of me who I am in him it's my position in him and because we'll be speaking the word signs and wonders will follow so let me let me let me pray I believe this is one of the most important parts, and I know that we've done it earlier, but I learned a very valuable tool. And it's from Psalm 100. And it talks about we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and praise. So I sat over there earlier, and I was on my face, and I was crying and weeping to the Lord out of gratefulness for what he's done because I used to be a drug addict I was an alcoholic I was a pornography addict I was violent I hated people I would have stole from you and God completely changed my life around and I'm on my face over there and I'm weeping and I'm saying thank you Lord and you know one of the things that I said is thank you God that this is my home church thank you that this is a Pentecostal or Assembly of God church where I don't have to be ashamed of speaking in spirit so I just want to encourage you now as it, just enter into his gates with thanksgiving and praise and thank him. Take a moment right now and thank him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for saving me, Lord. Lord, thank you for what you're going to do today. God, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that your mercy is new every day. 
and that you use even broken people like me, Lord. We praise you. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. We welcome you here. Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way. Not my will, Lord. Say what you want to say. Help me to hear and help me to stop talking when I'm not supposed to say something. Control my tongue. Help me to not be afraid of man. And I just pray that you'd speak through me. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Catherine. And I love this worship here. It's so good. So thank you so much. So the, the question that I had for you is, are you expectant today? That was the, when I prayed and I started praying. I don't just deliver um, polished sermons that I've done 40 times so that you all get goosebumps. And then you say, wow, that guy's a great speaker. I don't need your affirmation, no offense. What I do is I say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to say here at this time? And that's what I said. And I immediately heard, what do you expect? And I thought, okay, that's interesting. What do you expect? Because of what we've seen in our ministry, because of what I've seen in Africa, and because of some of the experiences the Lord has brought me to, what I expect now is much different than I expected even a year ago. When I used to pray for somebody before, it was almost mixed with a, well, if it's God's will, and I just really hope, and I'm doing this because this is what I'm supposed to do. We're supposed to pray for each other, and they came to me, so now I awkwardly have to lay hands on them. Now when I pray for them, I expect a miracle to manifest immediately. Something has changed. Something has changed in my faith. And it's not because I'm sort of some sort of superhuman person or I've reached some sort of pinnacle of this is a figuring it out. I believe that part of what I'm gonna, the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to you today is the answer. And where does that faith come from? Where does that faith come from? Why am I not expectant? When I lay hands on somebody, why am I not expectant? Why am I even going through the motions? I believe that the, the word that the Lord has prepared for you today is going to help encourage you and help you actually look at it and understand, wait a minute here. You're not basing your expectation on anything around you. I'm not basing my expectation because I'm going to do an altar call later. We probably won't have the ministry workers because I'm going to ask people to come up that, that are sick or experiencing something. And I'm telling you, God is going to heal everybody here. That's how I believe. That's how I have to believe. And it's not because I have some sort of special anointing. It's not because I've earned a badge by stepping out in faith with my family. It's because I learned something. And my hope is that I can convey that to you. So that I can't bring you through my life experiences, but I'm going to convey something to you that I believe is going to encourage you so that you can understand that this is not just for me. These signs will follow those who believe, right? They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. They will cast out demons. 
These are signs that should follow those that believe. If you believe in Jesus Christ, if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, if you're a born-again believer, you put your faith and trust in Jesus, in his blood, and what he did on the cross, these signs can follow you also. And they will hear. Because I didn't pick this as some sort of um, tour or itinerant thing. We are all over the place. People, I, I can't tell you many people are like, hey, go talk to them. Go talk to them. Why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? Did you read the God Asks? Did you understand that the, this, if you go and ask 400 pastors to, pre, to preach, out of those 400, you'll get 100 that'll say yes, maybe? And then, like sales, I, don't, I, I can't live like that anymore. I go where I'm told. And what God has shown us is the most amazing fruit. We see miracles almost every single day. You may not believe me, but I, I, I'm telling you, we see miracles almost every single day. We were just at an outreach in Bonnaroo, the Bonnaroo Music Festival. I partnered with some, there was 28 other evangelists, and we went into this really demonic music festival called Bonnaroo Music Festival. And it's like 650 acres of kids on drugs, kids doing all these things, just totally crazy, like demonic stuff, worshiping the devil, like demonic bands. We went into that place, and I seen the power of God come in and move through that place because I have expectancy in him, and I have a trust and a faith in him. So if you want to uh, grab your Bibles, or I don't know if you have, I didn't create a slide for this, but it's in Hebrews 11 is where we're going to be starting, Okay. I'm going to start at chap chapter or Hebrews 11, 1. Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So that's the defini definition of faith. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen we're not made of things which are visible. So there's a definition of faith. It's, it's trusting in something you can't see. You have faith that your chair is not going to fall over. Some chairs I sit in, I don't have as much faith. I'm a big guy. I need to get in a little bit of shape. But you have absolute faith that when you sat down on that chair, you're not going to fall down. So we all have faith in things. You, you fly airplanes, or maybe you don't, but... When I fly in an airplane, I am not like, oh my goodness, I wonder if this plane and wing's going to fly off. I have faith in that, in that wing, but it's in something that we cannot see. In verse 6, but without faith is it impossible to please him, for he, come, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There's a responsibility on our behalf when it comes to faith. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. So when we come to him, when we come to God, we must believe that he is. I'm believing that God is going to do the miracle. I'm going to say something that you may even be like, uh, what? I don't even know if I believe what you're saying. In the last... Two months, 
that's safe, I think it's about a month and a half, we've probably seen, my eyes have seen, my wife has probably seen, I don't know where she's at right now, I can't see her, but probably 60 legs grow. Because what the Lord had shown us, while we're in Louisiana, there was an outreach in Alabama, and we had like eight people that had sciatic nerve issues, and they kept telling me about sciatica. I got sciatica. I sciatica. And I thought, man, every person I run into. So I'd lay hands on their side, right here, and then lay hands on their back, and by the grace of God, their pain would leave. And I thought, hey, man, hallelujah, because I command that pain to leave, and I expect it to leave because of the name of Jesus. My faith is that I'm, re I'm trusting in him. I believe that he is God. I believe that. So that's what I'm... And then we got to one of these campsites, and this man pulls up, and he's driving us. This is a very interesting life when you live, live full-time in a camper. But we get to this campsite, and he shows us our site, and we get there, and you got to connect all the fun hoses. Talk to me about that sometime. It's really wonderful. Disgusting. But more intimate with those things than I want to. And, he, and he's limping. And I said, what's the matter? And he said, oh, I've got a pulled groin muscle. And I said, well, let me pray for you. The Lord will heal you. So he puts his hand on where it hurts, and I pray for him. Boom, instantly, the Lord heals him. He's like, oh, my goodness. Like, wow, this is amazing. So then he brings his wife the next day. And his wife lists, like, I don't even know how many things she had wrong with her. I jokingly said, man, I need a post-it note to write down all the stuff you have. I said, I can't even remember. Let's start with step one. One of it was scoliosis in the spine. Her, her spine down in the bottom, I didn't look at it because I would have had to lift her shirt up, but she told me, and then I seen her bend over, she had like an S in the bottom of her spine. And the Lord instantly straightened her, her back. Straight up. What she told me... She said, oh, I have sciatica. And I thought, oh, there it is again. Was just in Alabama and I heard the sciatica? And then she said, oh, yeah, well, it's, you know, it's one of my legs. It's genetic. It's a hereditary thing. One of my legs is longer than the other. And I was like, what? And I had seen the Lord in Africa grow a man's leg almost an inch, but he had a horrible accident. So I thought, okay. It is more common than you think. If you're suffering from back problems, I want you to come up here later. We're going to pray for you, and the Lord's going to grow your leg. It's going to freak you out. So when the lady said, oh, yeah, one leg's shorter than the other, I said, okay. And I knew God was setting us. We were, we were about to see a miracle. Now, my wife was a little, she's very cautious. She used to be. Be careful with my words. And I'd say, it was very like, I don't know about this whole signs and wonders and miracles, and you know, because we don't see it or we don't even expect it, quite frankly. So there's this man, Tim. There's this lady, Angela. And I said, come here, sit down. Sit down on this picnic table. And I said, kids, come here. And I gathered all my kids. Okay? I said, come here. Gather around. Tim, come here. And I said... Sit down. I've seen this on TV, and I know what the Lord's going to do here. Because I know who he is. Do you understand? But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he comes, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. So I said, sit down. So she sat down, and I pulled her legs out, like I had seen on a YouTube video by Todd White. And I pulled her legs out, 
Sure enough, I was like, holy cow, it really is. It's like three quarters of an inch shorter than the other, your left leg. Are you sure you're sitting straight? Yes, I'm sitting straight. Oh my goodness, this is really gonna happen. I said, Faith, stand right here. I said, Tim, do you see it? Tell your wife, tell your wife, Tim, how, 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 what the difference is. So she he tells her, and I said, I command right now in Jesus' name, I command this left leg to grow right now in Jesus' name. And right in front of my face. I said, you see that? You see that? You see it? See it? We've seen probably close to 70 in the last two months. Because I know who I'm praying to. Do you understand? Do you un Some people think, oh, that's risky. That's radical. Like, what if he didn't do that? What if God didn't do that? And I set this big show up in front of my kids. I set this big show up in front of this lady. If I'm not praying, what is that really a prayer of faith? To just go at it? I have to believe that this man and this woman are going to get healed when I'm praying. Otherwise, I'm to and fro, double-edged. I'm just my my mind is not even fully there. So I'm not praying with faith. And that's, that's such an important part of this. Because if you don't believe that the person's going to get healed, or you don't believe that you're going to get healed, and you're just kind of sitting there like, well, I don't believe that. It's likely you're not going to see that. Because what you're going to pray is even if your words say, Lord, I command healing right now in your head, you're like, boy, I hope something happens here. This is embarrassing. You're worried about what you're going to look like. Some people even say, well, I just don't, you know, almost like they're defending God's reputation as if God needs your help defending his reputation. You know, if you've got pride, and I have, I've had pride, I've battled pride before, but if it's done properly, people will go, Jesus. They'll see Jesus. And when I was in Africa, I just talked to a lady yesterday who was from this town. She married someone. She married my wife's cousin, well, my cousin, I guess now. And she lives in Dar Salaam, Africa. And in Dar Salaam, Africa, we were there. And for two and a half hours, I stood on a street corner. And all I did is said, bring me your sick. Bring me your sick. Bring them. This is before two weeks ago or... Well, however long ago it was when we were in Louisiana when the Lord started growing legs out. And I just said, bring it, because I believed then, because I had already seen it, because I know who he is. I know who he is. He is the God. He is a wonder-working God. That is what he loves. He loves to heal people. He loves it, because it softens the heart of the person, and then you share the gospel with them, and they are just like, Blown away. So for two and a half hours, I sat in Dar Salaam, Africa, in Tanzania, in Dar Salaam. But I sat there with a very simple gospel message. Jesus died on a cross for you because he loves you. And your sin separates you from God. It's not that God is mean and he doesn't want to be with you, but sin and God cannot be in the same place. He's holy. And the only way that you could stand before a holy God is by the blood of Jesus. So he sent his son, and he died on a cross. 
And he became that lamb of God for your sin and shared a very simple gospel message. And for two and a half hours straight on the same corner in front of these poor people who kicked us out later because they were Muslims, for two and a half hours, the Lord healed every single person. Boom, 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 boom. People would get healed, people would get saved, and then a new group would come in. People would get healed, people would get saved, then a new group would come in. People would... This is what happens when you preach the gospel. This is what happens when you have expectation that his word is true. So I'm reading through Hebrews. And I'm like, okay, God, so I see that. I understand kind of the general thing that you want me to share. You want to encourage people that they need to have faith. What faith looks like. They need to have this faith. So then I started reading in Hebrews 11, and it goes on. And then it's called like the heroes of faith, or the hall of faith. And it talks all about all these mighty men and women of God, that God has done amazing things with. Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, Moses, all these amazing things. And it lists some of the, the things that they have done. And I'm reading, and I'm reading, and I'm reading. And I was like, okay, God. I feel like I'm missing some sort of summary here. How do I close this? How do I make this real and practical for people so that they actually understand? Because they can't come to Africa with me. They can't see what I'm seeing. We can lead outreaches where people make, can come and learn how to pray for the sick and those type things, but they can't go on my journey. So how do I explain to them so that they understand what faith is? I was like, where is the key? Where is the answer to this? And it's in 12. Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I remember it was one of my first pastors after I got saved. It was Pastor Hazel. I went to Grover Community Church when I first got saved. This place was too radical for me. I ran out of the old building. No joke. I came to this place. <laughs> Pastor Nick prayed for me. But I ran out of this place. The old building. It was too radical because I grew up in another, you know, Catholic. And it was just too wild. <laughs> so I went, to, I went to, to Grover. But I had a pastor, Hazelow, and it always sticks in my head. 12, verse 1, it says, therefore. And he'd say, therefore, you have to understand, what is it there for? So what he's doing is, is the Holy Spirit, who wrote the word of God through the hand of men, wrapped it up with this. He's talking to you, see the heroes of the faith, they list all these mighty works of God. And then it goes right into this. We read it as a new chapter, but that's not the way that it was written. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now listen, please. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, looking unto Jesus, For who for the joy 
that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So what does it mean that Jesus was the author of our faith? I looked this up. I'm not one of these theologian scholars that sits at home with a Greek. I googled this to look up the Greek version of this, okay? And it says the word in the Greek can be translated as prince, the author of our faith, as prince, captain, or pioneer. And it's so beautiful if you listen to what I'm saying to you. Jesus modeled faith. Do you understand? He showed us what it was like to have absolute, 100% faith in the plan of the Father. He modeled it. So he is the author. He's the pioneer. He's the captain. He's the one that I look to. If I'm wondering how to get an example of faith, I may find some great examples in faith in the New Testament, you know, in Paul and some other of the disciples. I may find that, but they also made mistakes. Jesus is the perfect author. He's the perfect pilot that I can follow. And it also calls him the perfecter of our faith. This word in the Greek can be translated as finisher or completer. Thank you. <laughs> That's what I did when I heard it. I went, mm, Lord. Power in the words. His sacrificial death on the cross and his resurrection, three days later, it completed that mission of God. So Jesus showed us what faith was. He was the originator of it. He modeled perfect faith by being obedient all the way onto the cross. And then when he rose again three days later, he proved that his faith was valid, that the faith in God, in God the Father, in Holy Spirit, is absolutely 100% reliable. 100% reliable. So if you want to build your faith, look unto him. Look unto Jesus. Look unto the Word. John 1, 1, right? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You want to increase your faith? Read this. Put your faith and trust in this. My faith and trust cannot be in my circumstances. In, in Pastor Tim. My faith cannot be even in me. Because I've seen... We probably, no joke, have probably seen 150 miracles in the last two months. We're talking miracles. In front of your face, miracles. The other day when I went and got my hair cut at Details, I was trying to find a place to get my hair cut, called everywhere. I finally get into there. We've seen six legs grow in there. Inside Details, hair salon. Boom, boom, boom. Necks, backs. All these things healed. It's because of him. And I'm looking to him. And I'm taking the pressure off of me. Do you understand? That I'm not basing the, the chances of this miracle occurring on how well my prayer life is. I'm not basing the miracle if, if this is going to happen if I'm on a pinnacle with God and I'm doing very, very good. It can't be that way. Do you understand that your righteousness was done on the cross when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you, you now become seated in heavenly places and the authority that you carry with the words that come out of your mouth 
If you can get this, it'll change everything around you. Everything. Because you carry the power to change it. In the Old Testament, Jacob and Esau, everybody knows that. I'm not going to fall off the stage so everybody relax. But in the Old Testament, Jacob and Esau, the father would speak a blessing over his children. He didn't write something down and say, okay, I now declare that the 49 shares I have of Tesla and the 85 and the boathouse, that all goes to these sons. It was just the words. The words of the father spoken over his children actually affected their physical, physical manifestation of their futures. And yet we as Christians... Treat prayer as if, oh, I tried this, I tried this, I tried this, I tried, I, well, I, I guess I can just pray about it. Well, I guess we could just pray about it. You know, I, I, all my plan A's through Z are now expended. And instead of that being the first place, understanding, I know who I am in Christ Jesus. And when I speak to this sickness that's trying to come into my house, I say, no. My kids come up to me. They're very matter-of-fact. It's almost transactional. You wouldn't get any goosebumps. They come up to me and say, Daddy, I don't feel good. I hurt my arm. Come here. I command right now in Jesus' name, I command this arm to be healed. Thank you. It, they're, almost, they're almost bored by it. Also because they're kids and they want to do other stuff. But this is my life. We go every, everywhere we go, we see miracles. Because this hit me. My faith is not in anything other than him and his word. And because he has put the Holy Spirit inside of me, I can have faith and trust that the power is there to, to have it happen. So if you want to see these things, you have to start stepping out. I can't make you pray for somebody. I can't make you share the gospel with somebody. I can't, I don't need to feel led anymore. You know, some people say, oh, I don't feel led. If I see someone in a wheelchair, or I see somebody limping, I don't need to feel led. God has given me the ability, because his Holy Spirit lives inside of me, and he loves them, even in the worst case scenario, if they don't get healed, they are going to have an encounter with Holy Spirit. And they are going to feel the love of God when I lay my hands on them. And they are going to hear the gospel. And that's the life that we should live. But you have to start stepping out. And you have to remember that you're putting your faith and trust in Him. You have to remember that for the... that Excuse me. That you're looking to Him. It has to be Him that you're putting your faith and trust in. So, my dad, not that, maybe a year ago, he started coming down with Alzheimer's. And I went, and I was so excited. I know that sounds bizarre. But I couldn't wait to get by him. He was in a nursing home, and I was like, oh, this is going to be so good. I can't wait until my family sees what God's going to do. And I laid hands on my dad. Absolute faith, absolute certainty that, that Alzheimer's would leave him. His mind would be cleared. And he died. 
A lot of you know the Rennie family, right? Some of the, their families with us today. I was intimately involved in praying for Alex. I mean, intimately. And I was 100% sure he was going to get healed. But as you know, Alex is in heaven right now. And I don't understand it. That does not mean that this word is not true. That does not mean when he tells me to lay hands on the sick and they will recover that it's not true. And some people, they don't like that because they, they need an answer. We lost children. We had four miscarriages. I even thought I heard the name of one and I was so positive that, that, that this baby was going to live and it didn't. That could have destroyed me. When I was in Ibadan, Nigeria, this last November, the Lord had allowed me, and I haven't shared this with many people, and I, three times I heard that I'm supposed to share this, but the Lord had allowed me to secretly sneak over to this little hospital that was next to our hotel. There was about 100 evangelists. This time, I went, and I was there serving someone. And I just asked my boss, is it okay if I go over there? Because I wanted to honor him. And we also, typically, we always had somebody that was by us with guns, like AK-47s, because the area we were at was very hostile. And I prayed, and I said, Lord... Open up the doors for me to get into this, this hospital. And I seen the most amazing miracles. I seen a three-story hospital. Almost every single person in that hospital get healed. A woman came up to me one day, and I shared this with a dear friend of mine, Kwame. And she came up to me, and the doctor was standing behind her all sheepish. And he, was, he didn't even want to make eye contact with me. And she said, sir, please, you keep saying there's not going to be any more sick people in this place. Can you stop saying that? Because we're all going to lose our jobs. We know when you speak that those things happen. One of the nights when I was going into that, I literally would sneak in there. 100 people, 100 evangelists, plus support team, plus leaders. So there's probably 125 people in this hotel that were right next to it. And there was just this chinkety black door that I snuck through every day. Not once was I ever seen. I would walk through and it was almost as if God hid me. So that's why I'm surprised I'm even sharing this. And one night, I come walking through and I see a lady on a, on a, on a motorcycle. And she's pinned between two men. And it catches my attention because she's not wearing her top. And it, there's blood on her legs and on her, on, her, uh, on her dress. I thought, yes, here we go. Thank you, God. I know why you have me here, God. I can't wait to see what you're going to do. 
And I said, what's going on? I didn't have an interpreter with me. And they're trying to explain to me, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I have no idea. And then they set her down on the ground and they say, pastor, 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 pastor. And they're crying. And in the background, I see this lady holding this little baby, brand new, newborn. Umbilical cord still on it, blood on the, blood on the grandma. And the mother's laying down on the ground. And she's dead. And I sat over her and commanded her to get up because I believe in raising the dead. And I commanded, get up. It was the second time I got to pray for a dead person on that trip. And she didn't. And then they just said, what are we supposed to do? And I was like, I don't know. So they propped this woman up on this motorcycle, wedged her feet so she didn't like grind against stuff. It was horrible. And then when they just left, I just sat down and I just weeped and weeped and weeped. And then I heard the enemy like, God doesn't raise the dead. You can't heal the sick. And I was like, you're right, but he can, and his word says he does. I don't understand why she didn't raise. I don't get it, but I'm not putting my faith in that. I'm not putting my faith in that experience, and I walked through and literally seen incredible miracles that night, incredible. We're talking people that had like brain injuries that are sitting like this, like walk out of the bed the next day. Your faith and trust needs to be in his word and in Jesus. Period. Step out. Another thing that it says, it says lay aside. Let me find it. So I just closed my Bible. It says let us lay aside every weight because we're running a race. Do you understand? The medal for this race is not given the moment you say a prayer. Do you understand? Yeah. The medal for this race is given at the end. When you endure to the end. And you work out your faith with your salvation with fear and trembling. And you make it to the end. There are people that have said the salvation prayer that are in hell right now. So we need to set aside the things that are holding us down, that are weighing us down, that are holding us back. My stupid phone. I hate that thing. It's like such a tool, and I went to a flip phone for a while because I hate it, and I recognize the pull that it has in my life, the distraction, even if it just sneaks in one little impure thought every week and a half because somebody's Facebook ad shows someone in a bikini but it's always constantly pulling at me. And it's like, that's a weight. God's saying, set those things down. Take them off. What's holding you? Do you have unforgiveness in your heart? Do you have sin in your heart? Do you have a repetitive sin that you're going to and you're using the excuse of we're all on this sanctification journey? Lay it down.
the worship team can come on up. So I want to ask you, do you need healing? Are you expectant for a healing? Do you have expectancy that when you pray for your unsaved loved ones that are not living for the Lord, are you just going through the motions and just saying blah, 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 blah? Like, oh, if it's God's will, because you have not seen results yet, or because the things that we don't understand, like Alex Rennie, or other things that just do not make sense, but I'm not God, hello, you're not God, we have no right to question God and how he handles eternal things. We are small-minded people that have a lot of pride that think that we should understand every single thing that God's doing. We have no idea. I can guarantee Alex is in heaven. I know that. So make sure that when you're putting your faith in trust and you're exercising your faith and you want to see your faith grow, put your faith and trust in the word. Put your faith and trust in Jesus. And I'll ask you here, have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross? I ask this question a lot because I run across a lot of people. My usual way that I one-on-one -on -one evangelize is I say, hey, do you have any pain in your body? And they say yes, and then I pray for them, and the Lord heals them, and then I share the gospel. But I can't tell you how many times people said, oh, no, I know God. I said, oh, really? That's amazing. That's wonderful. And then I'll ask them, so let's just say there's a proverbial heaven with a gate. And you're standing before it, and I try and make it a little lighthearted. You're standing before it, and they say, hey, Bob, um, I see you died. And why, why should we let you into heaven? And most of the people will say, oh, because I'm pretty good. I'm a pretty good person. Like, I try not to do bad things. I can't tell you how many people say, oh, like, my, my uh, uncle, he's a pastor. My uh, father was a pastor. My... If your answer, because I'll ask yourself that question, why should they let you into heaven? If your answer is not based upon what Jesus Christ did on the cross and his blood and sacrifice, then I could tell you, you're probably not saved. And you've bought into a lie. And if you don't have assurance in your heart and peace that you are going to heaven, I could tell you, you're probably not saved. See, Jesus died on the cross for you because he loves you. And because your sin separates you from God, he cannot, you cannot stand in his presence. You cannot stand in the presence of a holy God. But Jesus loved us so much, and God the Father loved us so much that he sent his son to earth, and he came to earth. He was born of a virgin through the Holy Spirit so he can break that sin of Adam. And he became the, the first baby that was born without sin since the creation of Adam. And he lived a perfect life so that he could be that perfect, acceptable sacrifice. On the cross, he became that, that, that shed blood, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins. We've heard that. 
But you understand that only by his blood, that perfect spotless blood, and your faith and trust in him, in turning to him and recognizing, I am a sinner. I am a sinner on my own merits. I cannot erase this sin. See, that's the problem. You may start today and live a life like Mother Teresa for the rest of your life, but you still have the sin. The blood of Jesus Christ is the only thing that can erase that sin. And the way you get things right with God is you put your faith and trust in Him and what He did on the cross. And you repent. And repentance is simply turning away from the sin instead of keeping on going towards the pornography, instead of keep on making excuses for your anger, instead of keeping on going through an ungodly relationship, living in a, in a, in a moral relationship that's not defined by one man, one woman. I'm not picking out sin, but sin is sin. And the Bible will tell you clearly what it is. And you know what sin is. And when you repent and you say, God, I'm not doing that anymore, to the best of my ability, I'm turning away from that sin, and I'm turning to you, Jesus, and I'm putting my faith and trust in what you did on the cross, and you confess him as Lord, the Bible says you will be saved. So I just ask you here, please, we didn't come here for an offering. We came here because the Lord sent us here, we believe. And if you're here and the Lord is tugging on your heart and you've got sin in your life or you, you truly do not have any good answer for why you should get into heaven and you want to give your life to Jesus... Now is the time to do that. So if everyone can please close their eyes. I don't want to make a confusing altar call here, so that's why I'm doing it this way. Normally I'll ask people to come up. But if there's anyone here who has not put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross, and today, you want to turn away from your sin and you want to give your life to Jesus, I ask you to just raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. We'll pray all together, but I just ask that, that everyone here would repeat after me. And those that raised your hands, I want you to understand that this isn't the prayer in itself. What God is looking at is your heart, where you're standing in what you want to do in this moment in time. So if you, if you repeat after me, from the sincerity of your heart, the Bible says that you will be saved. Say, Jesus, please forgive me for all my sins. Today I turn away from my sin, and I turn to you. I believe you died on a cross, Jesus. And I believe you rose again three days later. And today I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I confess you as Lord in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.